Pizza? Pizza? Pizza! Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. And welcome to the mothership, Brooke Noli, Steph in the house. We are ready to eat. Hope you're hungry because we are joined by vegan chef and author Lillian Kumik. Lillian is rolling out her third cookbook featuring vegan Japanese cuisine. It's called Hawaii Washoku. Oh, that makes me so hungry. Thanks so much for coming on the mothership again, Lillian. Thank you so much. The pleasure's all mine. Great to see you all again. Thank you for having me. So I'm I'm familiar with Japanese cuisine. I know Brooke, you are too, but yes. I don't know what washoku means. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Washoku is basically the term in Japanese for Japanese cuisine. Wow. <laughs> Never heard it. Nice. Yeah. yeah, but um Although this book is is definitely it's a plant based gluten free um, book cookbook, it talks about the way of washoku, and I think this is something that is going to be interesting for people um, who don't know much about the background of Japanese food and you know how how it all works. So I'd love to I'd love to tell you all about it. it it's a very interesting sort of set of principles that this cuisine is based on. And this is derived from your passion and the fact that you lived in Japan for quite some time. Yes, this book has definitely been in the making. I lived in Japan for 30 years before moving to Hawaii uh, just five years ago. So my 30 years um, of living in Japan, it's where I started my uh, cooking career, um, where I became a chef and a cooking instructor so this book definitely, it means a lot to me and, and there's a lot to learn in it and um, so much that I can share with people who, who are interested in cooking Japanese food. We like to eat Japanese food, right, Brooke? Yes, totally. I mean, I'm super excited to learn about it because I've never heard of washoku. And I forgot, Lillian, again, love your beautiful accent. So can't wait to learn and listen to you talk about it. <laughs> Thanks. I know I, I'm I'm kind of a mixed mutt actually because mm-hmm. I'm originally from Sydney, Australia, um, and my mum is Fijian, so that's why I was able to write my first two cookbooks, which are based on Hawaiian food. Uh, so you know the Polynesian background, that sort of thing. I was very very familiar with Hawaiian food before I even you know started living here, and then. My father is was Serbian from the oh. former Yugoslavia. So then I moved to Japan, spent 30 years there and, you know, learn all about Japanese food. Then I come to Hawaii, learn about Hawaiian food. So I really am a mixed mutt. If you open my fridge or talk to me, I'm sure people just get confused by my whole being. 
but in essence, if I had to describe who I am, um, definitely, I think I've taken on more of a Japanese approach to food and life in general because of my long stay there. You know, um, for people that are not familiar with vegan, can you explain, um, you know, what, what that's all about, that lifestyle, um, mm -hmm. before we delve into to the cookbook? Sure. Um, I, think, I think the misconception people have is that they confuse people who are on plant-based or vegan diets to vegetarians. So they're completely different. Just to, to clear things up, a vegan is someone who doesn't eat any animal products whatsoever. So um, vegans do not do not eat meat, fish, poultry, um, dairy, even eggs and byproducts such as honey. Um, so I, I also don't eat honey. And any byproduct, you know, from the animal also is pretty much pretty much a no-no. Most vegans abstain from from eating. Whereas vegetarians, um, vegetarians are more, I would say, plant inclined or plant strong in their diets. But uh, vegans are definitely strict. So for example, if we're talking about Japanese food, things like miso soup are normally made from bonito, dashi stock. So a type of fish stock. Um, and regardless of whether there's chunks of fish in there or not, a vegan won't be able to eat it because it's the, the stock itself is derived from, you know, fish. So that's that's the difference. Absolutely no no animal products. And this this third book, Hawaii Washoku, is not only plant based; it's also gluten free, um, which is good because I know a lot of people people are you know following gluten free diets. Um, these days and understanding their body more um, and, and so what would you say draws um, someone to a vegan diet like what's the whole thinking mm -hmm. behind it yeah that's a great question and it's very personal um, it can you people can become interested in the vegan diet for health reasons they, they may have been told you know by a medical professional or their doctor that they need to either lose weight or you know bring the cholesterol down or you know just just eat healthier in general and I guess a vegan diet does all those things studies show it does all those things the other um, ethical reasons many many people choose to go vegan and ditch the animal products when they see things like a documentary um, that may may have sort of traumatized them I know many children are going vegan i hear and read because they accidentally watched you know documentaries about slaughterhouses and things like that which can be very traumatizing but at the same time um these are things that are actually happening um you know in the meat and in the meat and dairy industry so scary things like that the other um and i think for people like myself um i grew up vegetarian so for me it was like a just a a natural evolution, I guess, into becoming vegan. I ditched dairy products around 18 years ago. So this is probably my 18th, I think my 18th year um, of being fully plant-based. And it just kind of, I think for me personally, my I start aligning my morals the older I get and things sort of make more sense to me when I, when I think that I'm not 
you know, supporting the dairy industry or I, and, and literally I just feel better in general, whether it's mind, spirit, body, um, you know, mentally, physically, all of those things. So that there are lots of reasons why people go vegan and the proof is in the pudding, because if you meet or if you know any vegans, highly likely, I won't say all the time because us vegans like to eat junk food, drink too much alcohol and do all that sort of fun stuff as well. But, you know, in general, vegans are known to have very good BMI, body mass index, uh, tend to maintain their weight a little bit better than, you know, people who who eat a regular American diet. So, yeah, lots of reasons why you would want to go vegan, I guess. Yeah, I feel like the older you get, I don't know if you feel this way, Brooke and Noli, but you tend to become familiar with what types of foods make you feel good and what types of foods really quickly make you feel bad. And I, I was just on vacation with my kids and I was, you know, just eating a lot of things on the go and boy, did I not feel good. And, you know, I am now back to work and back to my daily routine and I'm eating you know more fresh fruits and vegetables and I'm feeling a lot better I can just totally tell the difference right away um so this is really really intriguing and um I love Japanese food Nolia Brooke chime in um I I've never imagined it as a vegan feast though I, I and I I can't really see that just yet so I'm really excited as I'm sure our listeners are to to see what you know kinds of things are possible with your cookbook well that I mean you you bring up a very interesting point Stephanie because when it comes to Japanese food historically it was it was based based around what is called shojin ryori have you ever heard that expression shojin ryori is um is basically Buddhist cuisine. Um, and I think it was, gosh, I don't want to, uh, I can't remember the year, but like in the mid 1300s or something, when when Buddhist monks started abstaining from eating animal products because it would um, it would interfere with their meditation. So they would they would not they would not consume animal products or alcohol, even pungent um pungent things like onions and garlic things like that anything that would excite the uh, senses so and and they also believed the the buddhist monks also believed that it the unnecessary killing of animals just just wasn't you know aligning with their morals so um japanese food is is traditionally or historically i should say vegetarian to this day, um, Shojing Dori appears in in pretty much every part of a, you know typical Japanese um, meal. I'll get into that later, but yeah. So a lot of that's a misconception. Japanese people started eating meat when you know when, in particular, after the Americans came in after the Second World War, and then they started following more of a you know Americanized or American strong diet meat started entering the plate and and you know we're here where we are now which is um japanese people you know more finding more obesity in japanese people they're not as healthy as they used to be but still still do have one of the longest lifespans um as the blue zones project has pointed out so 
there's definitely something they're doing right. And I think once I start telling you about the principles that, you know, that are behind washoku, the Japanese cuisine, it's really interesting how they, how they make it all work. It just makes so much sense to me. Mm, wow. I mean, you have how many recipes, 100, more than 165 plant-based and gluten-free recipes in that yeah. cookbook. Did you come up with all of these while living in Japan? Pretty much. So uh, the last 15 years I was in Japan, I was teaching cooking classes that were, they were, they started off vegetarian and as I evolved and became vegan, so did the cooking classes. So I had 15 years of cooking classes two or three times a week. I also um, began my career when I started my, when I opened my dining bar, we call them dining bars. Basically it's mine was like a high-end bar with cocktail, uh, a bar with cocktails and high-end vegetarian food. I did seven course vegetarian dinners that evolved into seven course vegan, you know, tasting sets, I guess. So I had a lot of um, experience writing recipes, developing recipes. And I was lucky because I had firsthand, you know, opportunities to to feed people and, and see their reactions. So I, I really did learn a lot when I was there. Uh, so the re recipe developing is kind of in my blood, something I, I love to do. I, I am always looking at food, but when I, when I'm researching recipes for myself, I actually never look at vegan recipes or vegan versions of a recipe. I go straight to the recipe, how it was meant to, to be prepared. And then I veganize it myself. Wow. That makes me more curious. So all of the ingredients that are involved in the preparation of these dishes here, can you actually get them here in Hawaii? Mm, that's a great question. And I, I knew I would get that question a lot. So in this, in this new book, Hawaii Washoku, at the back, I actually made a glossary of ingredients where I have photographed all of the ingredients and listed where you can buy them in Hawaii and online, uh, which is very unusual. So I know that uh, listeners who, who can't see won't be able to, mm -hmm. to see what I'm doing. But basically, uh, Japanese food does does call for some, you know, unusual ingredients. So there's there's four pages of the photographs of the actual ingredients that you can buy. Everything that is used in the cookbook is available in Hawaii, all of the ingredients. And that's why I think I've caught, I mean, I've caught it Hawaii Washoku. It's Japanese cuisine with a little bit of a Hawaiian twist. Um, you know, I'm so, I'm so blessed, so lucky so excited that I get to live in a place like Hawaii where you know the Japanese culture especially the Japanese food culture is so alive so I don't have any trouble getting my ingredients um, and my little food my little Japanese culture fix when I start missing Japan so yeah you will have no problem finding the ingredients. That's so awesome. I see that you um actually have a spread uh, out in front of you. You mind yes. walking us through what, what each uh, dish is or what we're looking at? Uh, Definitely. Describe it for our viewers and our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm going to try and describe everything um, clearly so the listeners can can get a, 
you know have get an idea of what I'm what I'm showing to you. So, first of all, when it comes to washoku, it's washoku or the Japanese cuisine. It's based on a set of five principles that um, suggest you should include in every meal five different colors, five different tastes. You know, salty, bitter, sweet. Five different methods of cooking. So something boiled, something fried, something, you know, raw, something fermented. There's five, and then five different, um, five different types of five different um, reflections. So that's why that's where the aloha spirit and the way of washoku is united in this book. And when I first came to Hawaii, I felt that how can I say that sort of unspoken familiarity when I first came to Hawaii from Japan and and it was just like this unspoken respect for food for people for nature so washoku basically it's like a a respectful way to eat food while you know being in in tune attuned with nature um and then looking at food in a way it can nourish your body with all of these principles. It's a little bit complicated to explain, but uh, the book goes through it in detail and it's really fascinating. So think about your, for example, take dinner. This is, this is what I've prepared for you. So going back to the way of washoku, if I think about, do I have five colors on my plate? Imagine if you were so mindful that you did that with every meal Imagine how nutritional, you you know, the potential for adding more nutrition to your meals will, will be because let's face it, you know, I'm Australian and uh, my husband's American and sometimes when I look at the typical Aussie plate or American plate, it's very beige. It's very, it can be very, mm, whereas Japanese food, they won't even think about it, but it will come naturally to them. So I'm going to start with the colors. So if you think about adding five different colors to every meal, that's a great way to incorporate nutrition and variety. And also, yeah, definitely, you know, vitamins and minerals change with the colors of the food. So here in my plate, this is a bowl of rice, which is very typical. It's short grain rice. Japanese people still really mainly only eat white rice and and they're somehow um, able to maintain again their weight they have long longer lifespans less um, illnesses than western westerners so I believe and so um, so studies are showing so this is white rice just steamed and in the center I have uh, something fermented okay so the white rice is steamed that's one way of cooking this is fermented um, umeboshi. Are you familiar with umeboshi? Mm -hmm. Yum. In Hawaii, yep. yeah. So Yum, yeah. You know, that sour, you put it in your mouth and it's like, ah, it comes to the back of your throat. So umeboshi is basically pickled sour plum. Right there we have two colours and also two different um, methods of cooking. Here is boiled purple sweet potato salad. Japanese... Um, Japanese eat a lot of potato salad. And the thing that differ, differentiates their potato salad to, I guess, American potato salads 
is once they boil or steam the potatoes, the first seasoning they add is rice vinegar. And I, I urge listeners to try this. So they would normally, Japanese normally use just, you know, regular white potatoes, but because I'm so conscious about my nutrition and, you know, I, I, I try to get as much, you know, nutritional value out of every meal, I do make a conscious effort to, to get colourful food because the, the colourful, the more colours in the food, the more nutrient dense it's going to be. So this is just regular purple sweet, Okinawan sweet potato. I've boiled it. So there's, there's another method of cooking. Boiled it and I've used leftover carrot and daikon skin from my soups or stock that I use. In Japan, nothing gets wasted. So the leftover veggie skins, I basically toss them in oil after chopping them, roast them a little bit so they become tender. And then I add that to any of my dishes, whether it's a salad or add it to a fried rice, add it to a potato salad. So there you have three different colors. Then I have something, uh, yes, there's something raw, something raw here and again fermented. This is my Japanese salad. We call it ohitashi. Ohitashi is basically blanched greens, blanched greens with lots of sesame seeds, toasted sesame seeds. Um, I have blanched uh, green beans. I actually use long beans. Um, there's cucumber. I added a little bit of sauerkraut. So fermented. Now I've added fermented, another style, another method. Are you getting the idea of what I'm saying? It's all just adding different, different colors and different, you know, methods of cooking. And here I have the Lencon lotus root with bamboo shoots, also very popular. They are just simmered. Here's another cooking method, simmered. And I don't do this, I don't cook all of these things every single day. I do one batch at the beginning of the week and then I, from Monday to Friday, I, that's how I do it, a little bit at a time. Japanese, the beauty of Japanese food is all of the side dishes are very small and, and meant to be eaten with rice and miso soup. So there's the, the simmered. And then this one I wanted to show you guys. This is one of my favorite recipes in the book. What does it look like to you? It looks it's like yellow sushi. and it's rolled. Like a sushi. Sushi? sushi? Yeah. It's actually an egg roll mm. made from tofu. Mm. So this is this is one of it's it's called tamagoyaki. You'll see you'll see this on on the menu of pretty much any sushi restaurant or Japanese restaurant. Normally, of course, made with omelette. So mine is just tofu blended in a blender with some spices, a little bit of dashi, and my secret magical weapon, which is one of my favorite, favorite ingredients oh, in Japanese cuisine, shio koji. What is shio koji? Salt something. Salt marinade, marinade, a koji marinade. Koji is um, it's like a malted rice, a dried rice that it's it has been sort of um, dried rice. 
rice mixed with salt and it forms a creamy marinade that is full of umami, full of savoury flavours, and it also has the power to tenderise. So if you eat mm. meat and if you go to a restaurant, a very good Japanese restaurant, it's highly likely they have marinated their meats in shio koji. It's as koji marinade or sometimes koji salt. Um, so in my book, I actually have three recipes for this, but you can buy it. You can buy this in any, any Japanese supermarket in Hawaii sells shio koji. Highly recommend this. Once you start using this, you're going to forget about salt completely. What is the, can you, can you tell us the, the difference? Is it subtle? You know, the, the, the taste of the shiokoji versus real salt? I'm really curious. Can... And it's, it's completely different to salt in that salt doesn't contain, it doesn't have umami flavors. Um, umami is, is what we call the fifth taste after the sweet, sour, salty, bitter. Um, umami is the savory taste. It's that taste, you know, when you eat Japanese food and you don't know why, but it's so savory, like miso. Miso has umami, shoyu has umami. Um, and this, this marinade has umami. It's not just salty. It's actually, it's actually a little bit, it has a sort of sweet after, little sweet tones or after sweet notes in, in the aftertaste. But the beauty of, um, not, again, not only does it bring that umami flavor to foods, like I, I do add it to this uh, tofu roll or tofu egg roll, but it, 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 can, it can tenderize food. So when it comes to plant-based foods, things, you know, dense vegetables, things like uh, Brussels sprouts, there's a, there's a recipe in this book for oven-baked Brussels sprouts. All you need is one tablespoon of this, you know, to like Brussels sprouts cut in half. You mix one tablespoon into the Brussels sprouts and you let it marinate. Do nothing. Just let it sit there for 30 minutes. Then you want to drizzle with a bit of olive oil and bake in the oven as you normally would. And there is nothing you are never going to, you're going to, you won't believe um, how delicious Brussels sprouts can be with just one single ingredient or one seasoning. This stuff is amazing. So if, you know, for the listeners out there who want to try something different um, in terms of, you know, the Japanese, Japanese cooking, a supermarket and you will find shiokoji. In the book, I have a recipe for shiokoji shoyu koji and dashi koji easily so that i i want to go and go and buy that right now because i've never tried that yeah it's Maybe amazing I just don't know from a restaurant, yeah but just just use it as you would a marinade i think i think hawaiian people in hawaii would love this because we do a lot of grilling here and you know as as someone who's plant-based when it comes to like grilling vegetables, when you think about what you would put on a skewer, like, you know, bell peppers or maybe some broccoli or cauliflower, um, cauliflower or some Brussels sprouts, they never really cook through, right? 
you get them on the grill, you get the nice char, they look great, but you eat them and they're almost like half raw. <laughs> so this is, this is something, um, if you're into grilling, whether it's meat, vegetables, um, stuff like that, this is something that is perfect for that type of cooking. You just marinate it in a big bowl, let it sit for 30 minutes is all you need or overnight if you're doing, if you're using it for dent or meat. So I'm not, I'm not a, I don't cook with animal products, so I'm not sure. But yeah, definitely, definitely give this a try. Highly recommend it. So Lillian, um, does this also um, cookbook include like drinks at all or Japanese kind of drinks? It include drinks. I do talk about Japanese green tea. There's uh, about four pages that, that talks about tea and tea ceremony. And I explain um, pretty much any tea variety you can think of and how, um, how much water you need to steep the tea, uh, how, you, how the tea is served. Uh, and also there's just a little snippet of Japanese sake. In my first two books, I did do a few cocktails, but um, I did ask my husband to do one cocktail in this book, and it's called 333. favorite number so he he concocted this cocktail using Japanese sake it's fabulous it's a really great cocktail and he named it 333 but that's the only cocktail um in the book I wonder Lizzie, so your, your um recipes are so ono sounding and have you ever thought about like you know like doing a little private party catering with for you know for people who don't aren't used to vegan, but introducing them to this. And this is a great way. What a better way than a tasty way, like your cookbook. Have you ever thought about like doing like private parties, small parties to introduce people to, to vegan food? Want me to come over and cook for you? Sure. <laughs> That's what she's actually asking. <laughs> I love it. Well, actually I'm a private chef here. So and what I do here as a private chef is I host seven-course plant-based dinners, high-end seven-course dinners. And, and the reason I've always done that, that's how, I, um, that's how I did it, you know, when I started my uh, dining bar in, in Japan. Oops. And so they have be, my dinners have uh, become a place for me to, to be creative with plant-based food because when it comes to plant-based food, it becomes very, sorry, it becomes very cafe and very plain and very simple. And this is the thing about, you know, people who follow a plant-based diet, we need to eat satisfying food as well when we go out. So one of the, one of the problems I have, I, I understand I'm going off a bit on a bit on a tangent. I'll get back to your question though, but um, is that when you go out to eat as a plant-based person, this is going to be one of the down, the, the downsides of being vegan. The, the food is very, um, it can be very boring for lack of a better word. So most restaurants and, and chefs are awesome. They will, you know, try to make you something by eliminating, you know, some of the ingredients in a dish. Like, for example, if I order a salad, 
you know, often they'll have to take out some things and, and the dressing might be a problem. And then very often I'm left with a plate of lettuce. Pasta, because the sauce is pre-made, really I'll end up with a pile of pasta and olive oil and not much. It can be quite lackluster. So I think the reason why I chose as a private chef to, to focus on, you know, high-end food is because I want to eat fancy food <laughs> and I, I know how to make food that, that looks like the food that you're normally eating in restaurants. Cause it's like, you know, everyone's, you're sitting at a table in a restaurant, everyone's food comes and then the vegans food comes and it's like, whoa, you know, completely different to what everyone else is eating. So I think um, I'm trying to provide, or, you know, that little niche or that little place where, people who are genuinely interested in plant-based food can, you know, hire me and, and I, I make it, you know, really, really fun, really interesting. Last night I actually had a, I hosted a seven course dinner and the theme, I changed the theme every time. Last night was uh, a trip around Asia. And so I do this often and I change the, the region and I do seven different dishes from seven different countries. Wow. wow. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I want to show you, if you yes. don't mind, um, I have dessert leftover. So oh. the dessert course was a Filipino, Filipino ube cake. I'll, would you like to see it? Yeah, definitely. And while she's um, grabbing that, I have to say um, that Chef Sam Choi and uh, Chef Roy Yamaguchi um, uh, recommended um, her cookbook as well. So she's, you know, <laughs> she got the thumbs up of those guys that this this has got to be good. But uh, it's an ube yes. um, cheesecake, you said? Yes. Um, Stephanie, I just want to say it was uh, Alan Wong. Oh, Chef Alan Wong. Alan Wong I'm sorry. Chef Sam Choi. Yes, they actually, they actually wrote the foreword for my, for my cookbook. And I'm so grateful. And I have cooked for them on many occasions. Wow. But this is, wow. this is, an three-layered ube cheese. It starts from the first layer at the bottom, which is a macadamia nut and walnut. Uh, um, ube, ube and lemon cheesecake made from cashew nuts. There's two layers of ube flavored cake. The frosting is ube, coconut, and Maya lemon. And the topping, you can't really see it. I also, I, I make chocolates, gourmet chocolates, and I sell them at the farmer's markets when I do my book signings. So I do like a little sort of white vegan chocolate, dark chocolate um, sprinkle that goes on top. But that that's an example of what you can make. But when I go out, going back to eating out and why I like to do my, you know, sort of gourmet seven course dinners is because you'll never find this in a restaurant. If it comes to, when it comes to dessert, vegans will end up with fresh fruit for dessert, which isn't bad, which is, you know, good in, in the long run. But that's an example of some of the things you can do. The cheesecake recipe, um, although not ube, I do have a matcha cheesecake recipe, which is basically the same the same thing and it's in the book in the dessert section made from matcha with the macadamia or just a nut crust which is really nice 
Wow. I, I feel like <sighs> what could be deceiving too is that you think that, okay, this is going to be all light. So I'm going to indulge and overindulge. I mean, <laughs> wow. Well, Stephanie, you look, I mean, all, all of you look like you, you don't have any problem overindulging. Whatever you're doing, it, you, you know, you look amazing. And I believe I understand your mother's. Um, and that's, I think, Stephanie had a question about, you know, would I recommend a plant-based diet or, you know, plant-based food to children? And I think it's one of those things. I'm not a mother. So what do you ladies think? Um, when I say diet or a non-vegan diet or a typical American diet, every time you feed your children, you're setting them up for habits that are going to continue for the for the rest of their lives. Some of the you know food habits that that children have can lead them to very serious you know problems in the long run. And then there are other you know there are other ways of addressing you know how how do you how do you feed your child healthy so that they can continue on with these good habits so it's a difficult question when people ask me that the first thing I say is obviously you need to consult with a pediatrician when it comes to you know how do you feed your 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 child plant-based and, and make sure they're getting enough nutrients and vitamins etc but the plant-based diet the, the beautiful thing about it is enjoy plant-based food. Things like gluten, you can get rid of the gluten and still have a beautiful, the only thing that's not gluten-free is the cake, although the cheesecake mm -hmm. part is. So everything else that I've shown you, you know, on here on the table is actually gluten-free and all of them are recipes from, from the book. So yeah, plant-based food, nothing to be scared about. I am personally, I'm reading and seeing um, a lot of, a lot of experts, a lot of studies are showing that you even, you don't even have to be 100% plant-based to reap the, the, the benefits that, you know, everyone's ranting and raving about. A lot of, a lot of studies, a lot of doctors are saying even 80% plant-based and then 20% of, you know, the, the other food groups is also a healthy a healthy way to look at food and feed, feed your family so wow this is very eye-opening uh Lillian and and definitely um you know to our our listeners out there it is very colorful the spread in front of Lillian in her kitchen right now very very colorful it definitely does not look boring it looks fresh inviting and it looks like food even just looking at it it looks like food that will not make you feel bad in the end you know it's food that can you can feel good about after you eat it and i think that's that's really like the best part and that whole explanation of washoku and it's almost like a, a harmonious relationship between you and the food and that's what i love too it's like connecting with the food and being appreciative of what you are putting in your body i really really love learning about that from you I assume we could find your cookbook on Amazon. Shortly, the book actually just was just released last week. So for the moment, you can find it um, at mutualpublishing.com. The book was was made with a local publisher in Hawaii, in Kainipi. And uh, I am also doing a book signing at the farmers markets on Saturday mornings from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. for the next few weeks. 
October 28th, I'm doing a book signing at Barnes and Noble in Ala Moana. They will be, they carry all of my books and they will be carrying this, this book as well. And then Amazon, yes, Amazon takes a, a little while to set that up. But Which, the book is um, locally made. So you will be, you know, supporting local as well when you pick up a copy of Hawaii Washoku. And I think it's, it's going to be, as you said, Stephanie, you summed it up perfectly. Thank you. I'm going to have to quote exactly what you said because you pretty much put my book into one beautiful sentence. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you mentioned, um, you know, that you'll be doing book signings at a farmer market. Um, and then previously you mentioned um, how you made chocolates and you sell that too. Um, is this a regular thing? And where can people, maybe if they want a bite and a sample, uh, is where can they find you? A regular thing. I do, I, I go to the farmer's market uh, the Kakako Farmers Market randomly every now and again, but you can keep up with me, um, I guess, on my webpage, lillianvegan.com. And I'm also on Instagram, lillianvegan underscore chef Hawaii. So lillianvegan.com is the place to go. And you'll, you'll, I, I always, um, post where I'll be. And, you know, a lot of people like to get their books signed. So, You'll find me somewhere. And then if you're interested in hiring me to do a, a seven-course dinner or lunch for you, you can just contact me through the website as well. And, yeah, we can all go. Yay! Oh, know, it's so good. I, I wanted to say to guys listening, you know, it's we're coming up on the holidays quickly. This is a great gift to support local. And, and you know, even if you're not a full-on vegan, it even if you could just throw in... A recipe once a week or a couple times a week you know you don't have to go ahead and just do it every day and, and be as skilled as Lillian but I think it, it doesn't hurt to um get more vegetables try new things um and eat mindfully like what she, like the washoku way what she explained which I think is so fascinating and awesome um for so many reasons but yes it's a yeah. great gift too guys thank you and yes luckily it has come out just before the holidays um, it is a great gift, and 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 as you as you just mentioned, you you don't have to be vegan to eat to eat plant based food. Sometimes it's interesting because sometimes when I'm at the farmers markets, people will walk past my booth, and they'll be interested. They'll look, and then I'll say, "Come over, take a look at the books," and they'll be like, "No, no, I'm not vegan." We start, you know, looking at food in a different manner and, and understanding that not every dish has to contain animal products in order for it to be worthy. You know, I think, I think definitely, you know, hopefully this book will, will change people's minds and, and get you to, to think more about what you're putting on the plate, especially if you have children and, you know, you're such a huge influence on the habits they're going to develop. This is a great way Get you get your children literally to look at the look at what you're cooking or prepping and go, Mum, we need one more color. Get them to count the colors. You count the colors and think about you know, think about colors and how much nutrition they generate and you know how you can swap some of the more nutrition nutritionally dense products you know for the regular, for example, like the purple sweet potato instead of white potato, brown rice instead of white rice you know, things like that. I, I, it's a good way to just have fun with food. And again, 
you know, Japanese food, a large selection of small dishes, um, a bowl of rice and a bowl of miso soup. That, that's the typical meal. It's called Ichiju Sansai. One, one soup, uh, one, one rice, three sides and a bowl of soup. But again, if you can just, you know, in your meal prep, if you do weekly meal prep or something like that, choose little side dishes that, that contain all of those in each dish and then make a big batch at the beginning of the week so it carries you through, you know, the week. Again, I, I don't, I really don't spend, you know, more than 30 minutes a day cooking dinner. But on the meal prep day, that's when I, you know, bang out a few hours and then I know I'm good for the rest of the week. And then the weekends I'm off, that's when I have my cocktails and fries and edamame in some <laughs> restaurant in Honolulu. <laughs> wow. I think the best part about it is just being pleasantly surprised after you eat it, having that experience in your mouth and being like, is that really what I just ate? It tastes like you know, something with me, but it's not and even better. And I don't feel so bad. So thank you so much, Lillian. Everybody, once again, the cookbook is called Hawaii Washoku, and you can find it and you can look Lillian up on Instagram as well, or maybe find her at the Kaka'ako Farmer's Market. It was such a great time being able to talk with you again, Lillian. I'm so glad that we got to learn more about all of these wonderful things that you're putting on the table and if anybody wants to throw a party, you know, give us a call too. We'll, we'll come on over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Thank you so much, Lillian, for joining us. All Thank right. you so much. Arigato gozaimasu. Arigato. Take care. Yes, we're going to break.